Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha Namaste. Namaste, everyone. This evening on page 230 of the Chandi Pot, we're going to begin the discussion of chapter 8, and here is the meditation. Om, I meditate upon Bhavani, the embodiment of all existence, the grantor of perfection, who is surrounded by rays of light and other subtle energies. Her body is of red hue, her three eyes are exuberant with compassion. In her hands are the net, the curved sword, the bow, and the arrow. And remember, the net stands for the unifying force of all of all that is, all that wants to become one. And the curved sword is the sword of worship. The bow is the bow of determination of sankalpa, and the arrow is the arrow of focus. So we're going to pay one-pointed attention to our sankalpa of uniting all that is with the wisdom of worship, the sword of worship. And the Rishi said, da dum da dum When the Lord of Thought became aware of the death of passion and anger in many of their army, then excessive anger filled the mind of the infamous self-conceit. And he ordered all the armies of thought to march to war. Akraman! Today, let all thoughts of strength arise. Let the 86 plunderers of peace holding weapons and 84 without restraint assemble with all their forces. Yet how many plunderers of peace do we have roaming around on the battlefield of our minds? How many are those without restraint? Let me achieve the object of my desire at any cost. I order 500 million heroic warriors of the family of thoughts to assemble and the assemblage of hundreds of the family of vices. So now we don't only have thoughts perplexing us and grabbing our attention, we have vices saying, ah, a little more for me, a little meant less for thee. Let them march off to war. This is a real battle. And let the thoughts born of calamity and thoughts born of perplexed hearts and recurring thoughts and fears of the unknown be ready for war and immediately set forth at my command. I want all kinds of thoughts to go into that meditating sadhu's mind and disturb his peace. Don't let him sit there enjoying the bliss of consciousness. Just come on and find ways to disrupt the peace. After the command, the fearful king of thought, self-conceit, the terrible ruler, marched to battle surrounded by thousands of warriors. When she saw that exceedingly terrible army approaching, she who tears apart thought made the twang of her bowstring hum from the earth to the sky. O king, then the lion of the goddess began to roar extremely loudly. No one could sh shut up the lion of Dharma. 
He made humongous noises, and then the mother of the universe increased the noise with the sound of her bell. With the twang of the bowstring, the roar of the lion, the sound of the bell, the hum of sound rose in all directions. From the tremendous mouth of the remover of darkness came a dreadful sound, even greater than the others. Having heard that tumultuous sound in all four directions, the warriors in the army of thought angrily surrounded the goddess, the lion, and the remover of darkness. Oh, they, they, they surrounded even Kali and Chandi and, and the lion. And your highness, at that time, in order to slay the thoughts and to raise the gods back to heaven from the bodies of the creative capacity, the consciousness of infinite goodness, and the consciousness that pervades all, and also from the rule of the pure and all other gods as well, energies emerged in forms that possessed extreme valor and tremendous strength, and these forms joined in the battle with she who tears apart thought. So all the gods from their bodies emerged their shaktis. And the shaktis had the exact same form as their male counterparts. And so all the gods sent their, the goddesses, because self-conceit can't be defeated by any god. He can only defeated, be defeated at the hands of a woman. So all the shaktis went from each of the gods to do battle with all the multitude of thoughts that had assembled on that battlefield uh, surrounding self-conceit and self-deprecation. In the same dress and ornaments and with the same carriers as the gods possess, in that same appearance their energies came to fight in the war with the thoughts. Just like the gods they represent, the energies emerged and took on a female form wearing the same ornaments, the same weapons, the same appearance, the same bond, the same carrier as their male counterparts, and they all joined with Chandi. Seated upon a carrier yoke to the swans of idle breath, she was on the rot with the Hamsa yukt. Uh, it was the Hamsa, so hum. The vital breath, the hamsa mantra pranayam, which is the which drives the the chariot of Brahma, displaying a rosary and a begging bowl, came the energy of the creative capacity called creative energy. How creative! <laughs> Can you imagine what would you call the energy of the creative capacity other than creative energy? The energy of the great seer of all arrived, riding upon the bull of discipline, bearing the trident of unity, and wearing the bracelets of great serpents of energy with a digit of the moon of devotion shining on her forehead. Maheshwari, just like Maheshwar, Maheshwari. 
Komari Shakti Hastacha, the energy of the ever pure one, the mother of the universe, who is the form of consciousness, holding the weapon of energy, arrived there, carried by the peacock of beauty, to fight with the thoughts in the battle, just like Komar. Kumari rides on a peacock, just like Skanda or uh, Subramaniam or uh, Kartikei. She, she rode on the peacock. And the energy of the consciousness that pervades all arrives sitting upon the great bird of brilliancy with the conscious vibrations, the disc is a revolving time, the club of articulation, the bow of determination, and the sword of worship in her hands with which to fight. So she, there, there came Vaishnavi uh, 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 in the form of Vishnu. We're sitting on Garur, the bird of brilliancy, the golden-bodied bird of the king of the of the birds, uh, Bakshiraj. He, he is uh, 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 Garur, the king of all the animals, and she had just all the same weapons that Vishnu does. And the energy of the incomparable, he who pervades all Yajnavara. The most excellent desire of union also warmed the form of a boar and presented herself. And that's not a B-O-R-E, that is a B-O-A-R. And it's an animal, the, the boar, uh, that he, he is equally comfortable not being boring and being excited at the same time. He's equally comfortable on the land and in the sea. He was the only one who could defeat Hyagreev and find the Vedas which he hid underneath the ocean. The energy of the illustrious man-lion of courageous fortitude, Narsing. He's half Nar and he's half Singh. And the Singh part is Dharma. And the Nar part is me. And I am half dharma and half um, <laughs> half a human being. Uh, the courageous fortitude which makes me stick to my dharma no matter what the circumstances took the same form and she arrived too from her fearful roar and the toss of her hair. The stars were scattered about the sky. Mounted upon the king of elephants, the energy of the rule of the pure arrived with the thunderbolt of illumination in her hand. She has a thousand eyes just as he. Vajrahasta, uh, Indrani, she has in her hand the Vajra, the thunderbolt of illumination, the lightning, the illumination uh, that strikes and illuminates in Prakash. She gives us the Prakash, that moment of illumination. And she has a thousand eyes, she's Shatakshi, just like he is. And after all the energies of the gods had collected, and the great god said to she who tears apart thought, I will be pleased if you will quickly slay all these thoughts. Mahadev <laughs> uh, said, hey, you know this, enough of these thoughts. Uh, tear them. And then from the body of the goddess manifested the excessively fearful and extremely terrific energy known as she who tears apart thought, 
who made noise in the manner of numerous jackals. How do you make that noise, Mom? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, that invincible goddess said to the one of dark matted headed, the great god. So Chandi says to Shiva, Supreme Lord, please go to self-conceit and self-deprecation as my ambassador and tell those two excessively conceited ones, both of them start with self, tell those two excessively conceited ones, self-conceit and self-deprecation, and any other thoughts there ready to wage battle this order. If you want to live, then return to the lower worlds. Let the rule of the pure be the king of the three worlds and let the gods enjoy their portion of sacrifice. But if in the strength of your collected pride you still desire to fight, then come. <laughs> My manifestations will be pleased to enjoy your flesh. And because this goddess sent consciousness himself as her ambassador to the thoughts, she has become known in the world as Shivduti. She for whom consciousness is the emissary. She has the capacity to send Shiv as her duth. Ah, self-conceit sent he who appears to be a friend. Come the Divine Mother sent Shiva himself. Shiva Duthi. She for whom consciousness is emissary. Those great thoughts, hearing the words of the goddess from the mouth of consciousness, in great anger went to where the ever-pure one was brilliantly shining. And then from above, the wrath of the thoughts caused a rain of arrows, energy, spears, and other weapons upon the goddess. So then they started shooting their weapons at her. You got a lot of nerve to talk that way to us. We are servants of the king of thought. Everyone bows to self-conceit. And if they don't bow to self-conceit, then they definitely bow to self-deprecation. What else remains? <laughs> she playfully cut to pieces the arrows, pikes, energies, weapons, battle axes hurled at her by the enemy thoughts with the great arrows let loose from the twang of her bowstring. So she just fired off her arrows and it cut all their weapons to pieces. Then the remover of darkness went in front of those enemies and striking with her pike began to kill them uh, with the missiles of her consciousness. Remember the katbunga, the skull top, top uh, staff? She, she reduced them to powder on the battlefield. Chun, according to the Creative energy sprinkled water from her begging bowl. Abhishek, Kardia, Amritam Guru Swaha, Amritam Guru Swaha, 
and returns and groups of thoughts and on whomever the water fell his vitality and valor were destroyed uh, nobody can maintain the vitality to do battle with the goddess when you when you skip Abhishek from the bowl from Brahmani's holy water it touches you and you are refreshed <laughs> and you stop sneezing immediately. <laughs> the energy of the great seer with her trident, the, con the energy of the consciousness that pervades all with her discus, the ever pure one with her energy battled with the thoughts in fierce rage. The energy of the rule of the pure struck with her thunderbolt, killing hundreds of thoughts and confusions who fell to the ground with blood flowing. The energy of the most excellent desire of union killed many with the blows of her snout. Many chests she punctured with her prominent tusks, and many thoughts fell to their death from the blows of her discus. The energy of the illustrious man-lion killed many great thoughts with her claws and devoured them. She filled the sky above the battlefield with the hum of her roar. excessively furious laugh of she for whom consciousness is emissary and she relished their taste in her mouth she just kept eating them <laughs> a few at a time just handfuls she didn't count calories she didn't worry about that, what's fattening and what's nourishing she had no discrimination she picked up that whole army of thoughts and began to chew Seeing the multitude of mothers slaying such great thoughts in various ways, the army of thoughts began to run away. <laughs> she looks a little powerful for us. I don't think I want to battle with that goddess. Seeing the oppressed thoughts fleeing from the forces of the mothers, the seed of desire, a great thought of bounteous strength, entered to fight in excessive rage. When a drop of blood from his body touches the ground, another great thought with the same intensity is born in that very place. Now see the seed of desire. He goes into battle and you wound him. And a drop of blood falls on the ground. And there's another seed of desire immediately born with the same valor, the same weapons, the same shakti, the same energy, the same capacity to subdue all the divine, all the divinity within us. I, I just I, look at how the seeds of desire manifest in our life. We want something. Want something. What would you like? I'd like to sit all day to chant the chandi. Uh, nothing else. No pichantan. I don't want anybody else. I mean, that's a good desire. It's a very nice desire. Now, in order to do that, I need a place. And in order to get a place, I need some money. 
And in order to get some money, I need a job. And in order to get a job, I need uh, some education. In order to get some education, I need some money. And in order to get the money, uh, I need to read Swami's asset allocation and budgeting. <laughs> See how the seeds of desire manifest in our lives. Every time we have one little desire, I just want to sit and sing the chandi, and for this, I got to go to school. I got to learn how to be a businessman. I have to become successful in the world, so I have something to give up. How can I renounce if I don't have anything? I can only renounce if I have something. I can't say, I have nothing, and therefore I'm a renunciate. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I got to get something so I can give it up. And then I can re be called a renunciate. I can say, hey, Mom, I renounce something for you. So now, in order to get that something, I need to know how to get it. In order to know how to get it, I gotta take a class. I gotta go to Srini school. I'm gonna go to Sadhu school with Srini Baba, and I'm gonna learn how to make a contribution to this world so people will pay me so I can save the money according to Swami's budget, and then I can invest it and according to the asset allocation program. We can make it grow so that we get to sit home and sing the chant. That's how the seed of desire, that devious demon works. One drop of blood touches the ground, another seed of desire is born in that very same place with the same very capacity to captivate our consciousness and make us act and interact more in this world. Every time we want one thing, so many things are necessary to the acquisition of fulfillment of the one goal. The energy of the rule of the pure began to fight with this great thought who held the club in his hand. She smote the seed of desire with her thunderbolt. Wounded by the thunderbolt, blood poured forth from his body, and for every drop of blood that touched the ground, there appeared the same form and equally fierce. He just kept captivating our minds and, and dictating that we have karma to do. You can't sing the chandi because you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to do that, and you got to do that. For as many drops of blood that poured forth from the wounds of the seed of desire, just so many warriors manifested, all equally valiant, equally strong, and equally fierce. So much blood poured forth, so many seeds of desire rose up that the whole world was permeated by seeds of desire everywhere I looked. There was something else I wanted. It's almost like going to the mall. Uh, I, I'm going on a seafood diet. I'm just going to eat everything I see. <laughs> 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 mm -hmm. 
Those warriors born at the seat of desire possessed extremely fearful weapons and they began a violent battle with the multitude of mothers. When he was wounded on the head by that meritorious thunderbolt, then the blood began to flow and then from it thousands of warriors were born. The energy of the consciousness that pervades all struck the seed of desire with her discus. The energy of the rule of the pure smote that general of the armies of thought with her club. Wounded by the discus of the energy of the consciousness that pervades all, profuse blood poured forth manifesting in thousands of great thoughts so that soon the entire gross world was pervaded by the seeds of desire. Everywhere I look, there's something else I need, something else I want. The ever-pure one struck that great thought, the seed of desire with her energy, and the energy of the most excellent desire of union with her sword, and the great seer of all with her pike. In great anger, that great thought, the seed of desire himself, struck with his club and all the energies of the mothers. Wounded by the energies, pikes and other weapons, the blood poured, poured forth from his body as a river, and certainly there were uncountable thoughts born from it. Everywhere I looked, I wanted something more. In this way, the thoughts born of the seed of desire pervaded the entire perceivable universe. <laughs> and the gods became greatly frightened. <laughs> Who's going to worship us when they can go to the mall with a universal credit card? Oh, who's going to think about divinity when they can go get another desire fulfilled and have a little of this and have a little of that and dig a little short well, a shallow well over there and a shallow well over there? How many wells can I dig? Can you dig it? Seeing the God's dejection, she who tears apart thought promptly told the remover of darkness Hey, slayer of passion and anger. Hey, Kali. Hey, Chamunda. Hey, slayer of passion and anger. Kali Ma. Open your mouth. Expand your mouth. Only your mouth is big enough to contain all the desires of creation. You've got a big mouth. Open it. Quickly eat all these seeds of desire and all these great thoughts that come from the seed of desire when he is struck with the blows of my weapon. Stroll about the battlefield and eat all of the great thoughts born of that blood, and as all of the blood is wasted, he will soon destroy himself. Drink up all the seeds of desire. When you will eat those fearful thoughts, the new thoughts will not be born. Saying thus, the goddess who tears apart thought struck the seed of desire with her pike. And the remover of darkness took his blood in her mouth. That's why she sticks out her tongue. <laughs> so she can drink up all the seeds of desire. Remember, rakta means red. Rakta means blood, and Rakta means passion, Rakta means desire. 
Beach means the seeds of desire. And she took all the blood in her mouth, all the desires in her mouth. She opened up her mouth and she consumed all the drops of blood before they hit the ground. So no new seeds of desire could be born. I know, but I live with a bunch of ladies with big mouths. <laughs> it's okay. And the remover of darkness took his blood in her mouth. And then he struck she who tears apart thought with her, with his club. You want to go clubbing tonight? <laughs> well, he wanted to club her. But the goddess felt no pain from the blow of the club. She had no desire to go to a club. <laughs> Still, the blood continued to flow from his wounds. But whatever blood fell, the slayer of passion and anger, Chamunda Kali, she took in her mouth. And as many great thoughts as were born from that blood, she instantly took into her mouth, and she also drank the blood. And then the goddess fought with the seed of desire with her pike, her thunderbolt, her bow, her sword, and spear, while the seed of desire, while the slayer of passion and anger drank the blood. And the desires. O oh, king, the seed of desire was wounded by that great collection of weapons and deprived of desire, deprived of blood. That great thought fell to the ground, and the gods attained inconceivable bliss. The multitude of the mothers delighted from the drink of his desire and the drink of his blood danced vigorously with joy. Oh. What did Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste, everyone. First, I want to thank you all for all your prayers and all your blessings. It's really a privilege to be back with you and be back with Chandi. Thank you all. Let's see if there are any questions about Chapter 8. We have a question from Sadatmananda. Namaste, Sadatmananda. Namaste. It seems as if the goddess Chandi emerges out of the goddess Chandi. Can you explain this? Yes! There is only one goddess in the universe. And she comes out of herself, she goes into herself, she comes out and manifests in many forms. Sometimes she wears a ball gown, sometimes she wears a swimming suit, sometimes she wears a yellow sari with a red border, sometimes she wears a white sari with a red border. She wears many different forms, is called by many different names. She dissolves into herself, she comes out of herself. It's a coming out party. <laughs> yeah, don't get caught up in uh, the distinctions between the different goddesses and this goddess did that and this goddess did this and this one's different from that one and eh, there's only one god there's only one goddess the god and the goddess are one okay get beyond it man it's time to give up it's time to give up trying to distinguish and dis discriminate between the goddesses there's only one goddess 
And she takes on the form of the giver of knowledge, and she takes on the, the form of the, take, uh, the remover of darkness, and she drinks the desires born from the seed of desire. She does it all. She's a very handy woman to have around the house. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika. Namaste, Sham. Namaste. Welcome back. You mentioned having the courage of sticking to our dharma no matter how difficult it is. Can you speak more to us about how to become the man line of courage, courageous fortitude, and how to keep our determination strong so that we are not distracted or stopped in our tracks by obstacles? It's a question of sankalp. Ambika, how much do we love? Do I love enough? sufficiently that I want to do exactly what I said I would do in order to demonstrate the sincerity of my devotion. Can I fulfill my sankalpa? If I give up my truth, how can I ask you to maintain your truth? Regardless of what you're doing, the idea, the goal is not to find the perfect partner, the goal is to become the perfect partner. So why will I worry about what my partner is doing when I know of my own imperfections myself? Oh, I must want to fulfill my sankalpa to everyone. If I don't fulfill my sankalpa to Chandi, how can I hope that she's going to come and give me darshan and remove all of my desires. It's a little inequitable to say, well, I didn't quite fulfill my sankalpa, but I'd like for you to do so. It's not quite true. It's not quite fair. Make it fair. Make ourselves worthy of receiving the grace. It's not going to happen otherwise. It's not. Remember, grace isn't something that descends upon poor little old unworthy me. Grace is kripa. What I do is what I get. Let me do the right thing because I understand that's the only way to get the grace. And I will be blessed with the fruit of my karma whether I like it or not. So, honey... I better get with the program. <laughs> it's about time because I, I'm going to get the fruit of my karma. Now, if that isn't enough inspiration for me to do the right thing or to fulfill my sankalpa, then let's try some other things. <laughs> Start with that. Make jump of what a privilege it is to fulfill my sankalpa. What an honor it is. What a joy it is for me to get the opportunity to fulfill my sankalpa entirely. Make job. Make that the mantra. We have a question from Ananda Shakti. Namaste Ananda Shakti. Pranam. Why does the goddess go to battle to kill the demons? Isn't love and perceiving all as perfect the greatest weapon? 
Yes, but in order to understand and remember that love, remember all the God, all, all, the, all the thoughts when they attacked the goddess and they were dispatched to heaven by the goddess and by meeting their demise in her battle with her, they were all purified and they all ascended to heaven. So actually, uh, she's battling with them as a service to send them to heaven. Because the more our thoughts reject and, re and resist, I'm not going to become divine. I will become an individual. I will hang on to my attachments. I'm not giving up. Surrender is the last thing I want to do. The more they struggle in that battle, the more disempowered they become. They give up their energy. And the goddess withdraws energy from the thoughts. They become purified and they go to heaven. And that's why the thoughts have to meet their demise in the battle with the goddess. They can't, we just can't say, okay, go to heaven. They say, wait, I'm not ready to go to heaven. I want more of the world. I would like to be a somebody, not a nobody. What? It's not time for me to become a sadhu and sit on top of a mountaintop and move beads all day long. It's time for me to become recognized as someone who's rich and famous and powerful. So goddess, come down from that altar and serve me. We have a question from Sharanya in Walnut Creek. Namaste Sharanya Ma. Pranam. Why is it that the thoughts replicate with each drop of blood that hits the ground? What does this mean? Sharanya, every time you choose a desire and you try to fulfill it, you will find multitudes of others' conditions precedent to the fulfillment of that one goal. No matter what the goal was, I, a very interesting mathematical formulation is that in order to get to, from A to C, you must cross the point B. Huh? If you draw a straight line from A to C, you will pass the point B in order to make the journey. Uh, but in order to get to the point B, now how many points are there between A and B? There are an infinite number of points from A to B. And that means that you have to cross an infinite number of goals to get from A to B, let alone get to C. And therefore, motion is logically impossible. <laughs> you can't go! <laughs> In the same way for the fulfillment of objective C, and here I am at point A, I must accomplish the task to get to point B. But there are an infinite number of points. How many points are there between A and B? Can you count them? Say the distance is finite. Well, I have to move one. Maybe it's a, a, a mile from A to B. So I have to move first a half a mile. Well, how many points are there between the origin and the half a mile? Well, there's a quarter mile. <laughs> well, how many points between the origin and the quarter mile? No matter how small we make that point, 
along the line it has to be crossed and there are an infinite number of points. And therefore you can't go anyplace. Stay home and chant the Chandi. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste Nanda Ma! Namaste. So happy to have you back in class with us. Does rock to beads refer to both good and bad desires? Why would we want to be without any desire? It sounds dull and passionless to me. Please help me understand. I think you've been attacked by the boar. <laughs> the B-O-R-E. The boring swami. The boar of sacrifice says, hey, no, it's not boring. To be in the state of fulfillment. I mean, it was Mick Jagger who said, I can't get no satisfaction. And we're satisfied. The mother of satisfaction. So it, it's not boring to be satisfied. It's not boring to be desireless. It's not a lack of passion. It's a passion for the right stuff. I get passionate about my puja. I get passionate about my savor. I get passionate about my love for God. I get passionate about singing the chandi or expressing the meaning of the chandi. These are all passions that are free from desire. Well, what am I going to get from it? What do I want from me from doing that? I just want the privilege, more of the privilege, to be in that bhava, to do karma yoga, to be in that bhavana where my karma brings me into yoga and I'm in union. And I don't want anything more. I don't want to put any more in the bank. I don't want to take any more out. I don't need to go to the bazaar. I don't need to go to the mall. I'm not going shopping. When the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. And Swami is usually not in the pilgrimage. What do I want when I have that state of desirelessness? I just want to remain in the state of desirelessness for the fulfillment of my sankalpa. Not boring, Nanda. Not passionless. Exciting. Invigorating. Free. Freedom from the bondage to worldly desire. That's an objective. It's not a penalty. Yes, we have please. a question from Kyle in Los Angeles. Namaste, Kyle. Namaste, Samantha. Namaste, Swamiji. If one is without desire, do they still maintain an individual existence? Yep. <laughs> they sure do. And their only desire, Icha, Kriya, Gan, Shakti. These three will remain no matter how, from Brahma to a blade of grass. You'll have the energy of desire, the energy of action, and the energy of wisdom or knowledge. These three are inherent to every atom of existence, but what is the atom of existence desire? Only to unite with other atoms. He doesn't want to go to the mall and he doesn't want to go shopping. He doesn't want to go buy stuff that he doesn't need. He just wants to unite with others. And to empower others to have this union. This is the only desire. 
So that, yes, desire remains, individuality remains, and yet the desire is only for the upliftment of others. Yes, please. Um, so this desire you're talking about, this is Ichcha Shakti? Yes, it is. And so the Kriya that you'll be doing will be to fulfill? To fulfill the desire, I will unite with others. I'll build bridges to empower others. I will share knowledge to empower others. I will do what I can to demonstrate the sincerity of my desire. We're all called upon to act upon our desire. He had a, Kyle had a desire for Samantha, and it was a beautiful desire, and he got her. <laughs> he, yes, he did. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> And he fulfilled the sincerity, he demonstrated the sincerity of his desire when he said, I do. Now, Swami has a desire to empower all the family to achieve independence and freedom in every aspect of their lives. And I am doing Mommy has the desire to empower and nourish and to feed and comfort and clothe and house and, and take care of all of her children, and she is doing. Each one of us is manifesting the sincerity of our desire in our own ways. That doesn't make us devoid of individuality, and it doesn't make us selfish desire. It means that the desire for purity is like the desire of the bodhisattva. He says, I'm going to come back again and again and again. Look, if I live in every atom of creation, how can I be free so long as any atom of creation is bound? It's all me. Now, how can I be free while you're bound? It is my privilege, it is my opportunity, it is my destiny to work for the freedom and the upliftment of every sentient being. That is the vow of a bodhisattva. In, it's the same in Hinduism. It, it's like an avatar, like a, a, a Mahatma, like a Paramahamsa. They all come back. From Shiva, Brahma, Vishnu, to Srima, Ramakrishna, even to Srini Baba and Rami Mami. <laughs> Namaste. We have a question from Nick in San Francisco. Namaste, Nick. Namaste. Namaste, Laura. I'm so happy to have your virtual darshan. Can you, ex <laughs> can you explain the connection between Kali Ma and Tamas? I am always trying to live a more sattvic life, but I am also drawn to worshiping Kali. Kali. Is that contraindicated? Is that contradictory? No, it is not contradictory. Kali Ma has taken away all of our darkness. That's why she's dark. She, how do you take away the darkness? You illuminate the light. She is the other side of Gauri. She who is rays of light. You can worship her as Gauri, you can worship her as Kali, it's the same thing. She's Gan Shakti, because the, you can only see the light if there's darkness. If it was all light, 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 Roshni, 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 there are, how are you going to see the, the, where's the light? It's all light. I need something in black and white, so I can understand what's the difference. I can't have all light, light, light. 
It's got to be black and light, dark and light, and then I can know. So if I give all my darkness to Kali, she becomes dark and I become light and we become family. She's, she's my sister. She opens her mouth and takes away all my desires. She illuminates my goodness. She, she is a beautiful goddess to be worshipped. Amrim Klim Chamundaivite. Nothing, no contradiction, Nick. You can worship Kali, you can worship Gauri, you can worship Lara, you can worship Srima. I don't care who you worship or what you call it as long as you do it. <laughs> yes, Mr. Srinivasa. Uh, Swamiji, do we know anything about what happened when uh, Lord Shiva met self-conceit? Yes, yeah, we do. In fact, the entire entire fifth uh, skanda of the Devi Bhagavatam is a commentary on the Chandi, and there are 2,500 verses in the fifth chapter, the fifth skanda, the fifth book of the uh, Devi Bhagavatam, which give a commentary on what happened to Shiva Duti and what happened to Shiva and what happened to Mahishasura and what, how do the kids come in the next generations and the past generations, it's all in there. So essentially what happened was Shumba Nishumba, self-conceit and self-deprecation were very haughty and puffed up with pride and they said Shiva. What kind of a sheep are you? You come as ambassador of a goddess. You work for a woman. Can you imagine that? You got a lady as your boss. You work for a woman, you weakling. You think we're going to listen to you. What power have you, Sheep? You, you're the order of the goddess. Sheep went to the, God, to the Asuras. You go back to the goddess. We have nothing to do with her message. If she is so powerful that she can send men as her servants, we're not afraid of you and we're not afraid of her. <laughs> That's how the story unfolded. It has a little bit of a different description in the Devi Bhagavatam. However, in the Swami Purana... <laughs> we have a question from Mosami in Boulder. Namaste Mushumima! Pranam. I'm delighted to have class again. What is a seed of desire? Are we not aware of it until it germinates? Does it come from a past life? Mushumi, some of them come from past lives and some of them come from present perceptions. Uh, just like my seafood diet. When I see, I get inspired and say, mmm, that looks good. And then I desire. I walk through the mall and I see things. I, I, I wasn't going to look for a new watch, but I just saw it. It was beautiful. It was yellow and it matched my sari. And it, it was a beautiful thing to procure. Why not? It was just in fulfillment of the commands of the seed of desire. Now, some things come from past lives. I wake up in the morning as a small child. I think I'm going to become a geophysical scientist. <laughs> now, that's a desire that, hmm, who, said, who put that seed there? Where did that come from? It must have come from the sun. 
No one but the son of the sun would think to plant the seed of desire. Like, I'm going to study the particles of the sun from my childhood and give my life to the sun. I, that's, that's, a seed, that's a seed of desire that came from a past life, I'm sure. There's a seed of desire that came from a present life. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti in Seattle. Namaste, Sadhana Shakti. Is it possible to use our Rakta Bijas for the benefit for our benefit and growth? And if so, can you explain how? Hmm. By calling on Kali to open her mouth and eat them is the best way. There are three dispositions of any desire. You can fill it, fulfill it. You can renounce it, or you can forget about it. Those are the three dispositions. You can fulfill it and say, okay, go for it, man. You can renounce and say, I am going to abstain. <laughs> hey, Mr. Desire, I am abstaining. I am making a conscious decision not to partake of this desire because I feel the entrapment that is ingrained in this desire, and I will not desire this desire. <laughs> That's an anti-desire desire. <laughs> or you can forget about it. Ma, ma, ma! That's the best. <laughs> yes, that is the best. When you go, when you call upon God and you are doing nitya karma, remember the four kinds of karma, sankshipta, past, it's over and done with, birthman, it's going right now. Bhavish, uh, prarabdha, bhavish. It's what's going to happen tomorrow. The seeds that were planted yesterday will bear fruits tomorrow. And nitya karma, it's eternal. That Siddhanta Chara, that Puja, Pat, Homa, Sangit, Nrit, Pravachan, and Arpon. Those seven kinds of behavior. If I'm engaged in those seven types of behavior, desire knocks on the door, I said, hey, I've got a sankalpa. I'm staying with Ambika. I'm going to fulfill my sankalpa. I will fulfill my dharma. I will do it until I can't do it anymore. We'll follow her till we can go no farther, following always our divine mother. And I'm going to fulfill my sankalpa. I'm going to take this opportunity to demonstrate the sincerity of my love for you. And there's no one home. Sorry, Mr. Desire, come back again tomorrow. And if I'm lucky, I'll be doing the same puja at the same time. And there'll still be nobody home. So, uh, yes, the best way you can fulfill it. All right, Mr. Desire, come on home with me. Or you can renounce it. I have an anti-desire desire and I am not going to fulfill this desire because my desire against is stronger than my desire for. Until you get to Nitya Karma, which is, I forgot about it, I'm sorry, I'm busy. There's only 25 hours a day. And I can only be productive for a few of them. Let me see, maybe 24 and a half. 
So then, therefore, there's no time to pursue or to think about this desire or the anti-desire desire or the desire for or the desire against or the fulfillment thereof. I can only think about God and Guru. And the seva I'm performing for the guru as a privilege to demonstrate how much I love you. Ambika, thank you for the key to that resolution. <laughs> we have a question from Laura. Namaste, Laura. Pranam. Sometimes I find that I am overwhelmed with sadness about the suffering in the world and the unkindness of humans to less fortunate humans. How do I understand these feelings in terms of the chandi? Are they okay because at least they're not about me? Or do they show a lack of faith in the Divine Mother? Well, they are really about you because it's y y you you're thinking about all those poor unfortunate people who are not as fortunate as you. And so you would love to give some of your power to empower them. So really the best thing that you can do is think about she who empowers us all. And that will be the best resolution for all the poor people. And I'm sorry they're poor people, but Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. And, you know, it, it's, it's unfortunate that people are selfish, but they are. And I haven't been able to change that since Cain rose up and slew Abel. It's just the fact of life. It's still going on today. And some people ask me the question today about ethical investing. And I have to say, you know, why would you invest in a company you didn't believe in? In a product that you didn't think was a, an asset or a benefit to the world? Now, some investors, if you look at Wall Street, they'll invest in anything that can turn a profit. And if you look at dharmic investing, you might want to invest yourself into the places where you can make a difference. Things that you believe in, ideals that you believe in. And it's true in the gross body, it's true in the subtle body, it's true in the causal body. What we are doing here tonight and all these nights as we study the Chandi is making a contribution to the poor people of the world. Because the greatest poverty is not a lack of money. The greatest poverty is selfishness. It's unfulfilled desire is a man that's poor. I know guys, I just saw a guy on television today. He, he, was, he was ranting about colored people coming to see his basketball game. And he, all the, if all the colored people got up and left, there would be nobody in the, in, the, in the players on the team and nobody in the audience. So what is he doing? He's cutting off his nose despite his face. What nonsense. He's, he's a billionaire and he's impoverished. Now, I feel sorry for impoverished billionaires. I really do. And I feel sorry for people who have desires that are unfulfilled. What we are trying to do is to attack the root of the seed of desire. We're trying to understand for ourselves which desires do we want to give energy to and which desires do we want to abstain from, which desires do we want to forget about entirely. We want to develop the discrimination which shows to us which way that we could have a beautiful, peaceful, productive contribution to society and make this world a better place because of our having been here. I doubt highly that 
any of us is going to eradicate poverty around the world. But if we could eradicate the poverty of our own soul, if we could eradicate the, the, the lack, the, the, the uncontrollable urge to fulfill all our desires, we could make a beginning to making this world a better place, filled with examples of people who have made that change in our own lives, not just preached it to others, not just told others about the iniquity of your ways, Om Sam Sarsvati Namaha, Namaste.